Welcome to this edition of the Alabama Historical Association's podcast program. I'm your host, Marty Olaf, and I talk with people who conduct interesting research and do interesting things concerning Alabama history. You can find out more about the Alabama Historical Association, a membership organization devoted to Alabama history, by pointing your browser at our website, www.alabamahistory.net. Our guest today is Charles Roberts, who has written New Deal Community Building in the South, the Subsistence Homesteads Around Birmingham, Alabama, that appeared in the Alabama Review in April 2013. Dr. Roberts' article is one of the co-winners of the Milo Howard Award for the best article in Alabama Review in the previous two years. This award was made in April of 2014. Charles, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me on. Would you tell us about this award-winning article? I would be glad to. I'm Charles Roberts. I'm currently an instructor of history at the University of West Alabama. And my Alabama Review article is about a group of subsistence homesteads that the New Deal created around Birmingham and Jasper, Alabama, with the intention of addressing problems of the Great Depression. This was part of a larger project that became my dissertation at the University of Alabama. I'm looking at the way that the New Deal approaches questions of how do we fix problems in the rural Great Depression. At the beginning of the New Deal, there were a variety of different programs, and subsistence homesteads became one of these. Looking at this particular group of them, that's what my article is about. Alabama had a number of subsistence homesteads, mostly because of the influence of Senator John Bankhead, who's from Jasper. He was responsible for several of the programs that addressed rural poverty. He was one of the creators of a program that tried to turn deserving farm tenants into farm owners with the help of the federal government. Um, And he was the man behind what eventually became the Division of Subsistence Homesteads inside the Department of the Interior. The Birmingham homesteads and the homesteads in general, are, they're interesting to me and they tell us a lot about what the New Deal was trying to do and some of the problems that it ran into in the South and in rural America in general trying to address this gigantic issue of the Great Depression. At the beginning, nobody really knew how they were going to solve this. The planners simply didn't know what they were trying to do and the subsistence homesteads is a great example of that. At first, Bankhead wanted to create this gigantic corporation that would move surplus industrial workers to rural communities. The idea is, well, who can be in need out on the farm? They can grow all the food they need. They're out there in healthy living. And planners like John Bankhead and Franklin Roosevelt didn't understand that things were just as bad in the rural South. So Bankhead plans this gigantic program. He wants $400 million, big reconstruction corporation, and it doesn't work. Hostile senators shoot it down, and eventually Bankhead just sneaks the program into existence. Uh, He puts it in the National Industrial Recovery Act, which is disconnected from anything to do with farming, but it was an easy way to get a $25 million subsistence homestead program into place. The problem with this is that it means that no one really knows what subsistence homesteads are supposed to look like. In Birmingham specifically, some sponsors think that they're creating new cities that are going to be a new way of living. 
other sponsors and planners expect this to be just a temporary thing where residents are going to be living in basically shacks while the economy recovers. No one ever really decides between these two different ideas. No one ever really understands what the program is going to look like. So you have this uncertainty about what the program is going to look like. You have this very tricky legal underpinning, and it sets the assistance homestead up for a lot of problems. Critics feel like this is big government, wasting money telling people how to live their lives. The very sneaky way that subsistence homesteads are created upsets a lot of people. For example, in Bankhead Homestead near Jasper, Alabama, the law does not allow the government to build a school, but it does allow the government to build a community center. So they build a community center where everyone goes to school. And it has an auditorium that gets used for some civic duties, but mostly it's just the community center that is the public school building. This creates all sorts of problems. The early New Deal is all over the place. Some people in the federal government think that land use reform is going to be the solution to the problems of the Great Depression. There are credit programs, there are resettlement programs, and so you have this scattershot approach that ends up running away support and funds for any particular program. The subsistence homestead, even though it's fairly popular with the people who live there, it comes under political opposition. It costs more than people expect it to. It never really works out for subsistence farming. The purpose of these communities are for people to move to this better place. They're not going to be living in an urban center. They're not going to be living in a rural area that's far away from the jobs. They're going to be living in between. And that just doesn't work out. People can't afford to live as far away from the jobs as these communities end up. And most of the homesteads very early on become kind of lower middle class housing projects, not bringing in the kind of subsistence farmers that the planners expect. The big part of the reason for this is that farming is hard. Being an industrial laborer is hard. And the kind of people who are industrial workers, they don't want to come home and farm. Farming is not a hobby to them. It's not something enjoyable. It's just more work. So the people who can afford to avoid farming do that as much as they can. The homesteads don't work as purely farming operations, and they don't work as places for industrial workers to have intensive gardens. All of that said, the Birmingham homesteads are popular with the residents. There is a tremendous need among unemployed workers and the rural poor for some kind of government help. People who move to these communities after a period of unrest when it's going through all of this uncertainty and changes in administration, everyone that sticks around finds their life improved. Uh, they have better housing, better diets, access to networks and support that just didn't exist for them before. One interesting thing about this is the resettlement program is a black eye for certain aspects of the New Deal. But residents are happy the federal government finally doing something for them, helping them get back on their feet. So what is the denouement of these settlements? Most don't work out in the sense that they turn into functioning subsistence homesteads. People don't move there and work in industry part-time and farm part-time, and that cover their economic needs. Most of these communities turn into housing projects. People employed at TCI in Birmingham and places like that move into them. Eventually, the federal government gives up on the solving rural problems approach that they had, partly because it's unpopular, 
partly because World War II appeared to be solving the problem for them. Hiring is going up and people are getting new jobs or they're going into the military and they're leaving the farms. So the subsistence homesteads in Birmingham go through a series of administrative changes. Initially, they're in the Department of the Interior back in the early New Deal. They moved to the Resettlement Administration and the Farm Security Administration. And then during World War II, the federal government loses interest in trying to encourage any kind of farming. So they take over themselves. There are homestead organizations in each of these communities that become the local government for them. Eventually, all the communities are sold to their homestead association, often leaving the government tens of thousands of dollars of debt for each community. By 1945 or so, practically speaking, all of the subsistence homesteads had become housing communities. There was no interest on the part of the federal government to oversee these for the purpose of anything except trying to sell them to the residential associations as fast as possible. Some of these communities, like Palmerdale, uh, today maintain a considerable pride in the communities and what they created. Uh, but the federal government gives up on these communities much sooner than do the residents. Is this part of a larger study that you're going to continue? This was part of my dissertation, which is now hopefully coming out in book form sometime in the next year with the University of Tennessee Press. And I started specifically with the Birmingham homestead. I was looking at how the New Deal changed the way rural residents thought of themselves, ideas of citizenship and the New Deal in the rural South. I kept running into the problem of not being able to find a single book that explained this program from the top to the bottom. And I figured that if I needed it, other people would need it. Well put. Congratulations on being a co-winner of the Howard Award. Please tell me what the working title of your forthcoming book is going to be. The working title right now is Secure Through the Gooder, the Farm Security Administration, Rural Poverty, and the South. Tell me when you think the book will come out. Spring of 2015 with the University of Tennessee Press. That's wonderful, and thank you for joining us today, and congratulations again on winning the Howard Award. Well, thank you very much for letting me take part in this. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us today. This has been another edition of the Alabama Historical Association podcast program. Our music is the traditional tune, Whistle By, performed at city stages in 1996 by James Bryan and Carl Jones. It's provided courtesy of the Alabama Folklife Association, which you can find on the web at alabamafolklife.org.